Hello everyone and thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Racecast UK. On today's show we'll be covering the main news from the off-season with the impact of COVID-19, expectations for the Formula 1 season ahead and the predictions for the back-to-back season opener being held this weekend in Austria. I'm joined by my friend and colleague Aaron Norfield. How you doing mate, you right? Yeah, all is well buddy, how are you? Yes, very well, very well. Excited about this weekend. I can't wait for the racing to start and get going. Yeah, it's just nice to see a little bit of normality return. I mean, we've seen a good couple of motorsport, um, motorsports just generally return. I've seen some testing for Formula E. Nice to see a couple of touring car categories getting back up and, you know, Formula One getting back to normal as well. So it just feels nice to finally get a little bit of normality after so many months off. Yeah, I mean, we've had the virtual Grand Prix in the Oh, I call it off season, not really the off season, but we've had a bit, a little bit of that going on, haven't we? So we've had a bit for people to be entertained, but yeah, nothing like proper racing. Yeah. So I hope everyone's uh, staying safe and healthy out there. So hope you're all okay. Danny Rick's shock move to McLaren. Did yeah, that, that, that one. No. Um, I'm in two minds about it. Like. One, why didn't he give Renault a chance? Like, the season hadn't even started yet. It still hasn't started. And he's already made the decision to jump ship. Now, either he knew something had happened in testing and he wasn't keen, or he just generally got fed up after last year and something's happened within that team. Now, I think one of the the, potentially the best things he's done by this move to McLaren is McLaren moved back to the Mercedes engines as of 2021. So bearing in mind, he'll be going to a new team with a Mercedes engine integrated into that car, arguably the best power unit. So Danny Ricks wanted to fight again for podiums and race wins. And I think McLaren, you know, as we've seen over the past two seasons, especially, they've got a real resurgence going, building back up to that top spot. Yeah. And I think McLaren honestly will be the way to go. I think so, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's. I feel a little bit sorry for Renault to a certain extent because yeah. he's he's cost them, well, not really cost them, but his salary has been really high and through whatever yeah. reason that they haven't hit their goals. don't know. I mean, it's obviously they need a good car. I don't know necessarily where it's down to Danny in terms of his driving, but they haven't had the car and obviously they've uh, cost him quite a lot of money. But be fascinating to see. I think he'd do really well on McLaren. I think that the environment would be really good for him. I think him and Lando together would, would honestly be a brilliant pair, and they're both very gimmicky. They both seem to get on. You know, I, I think for McLaren as as a marketing thing, you know, having two tri- drivers with the natures that they have is honestly going to be brilliant. And I hope that that driver pairing actually stays together for a while, and it isn't just a stepping stone for Danny Rick. Um, same with Lando as well. I like Lando a lot. I hope the two of them stick with McLaren. Yeah, it makes me wonder whether they're um, actually going to take anything seriously because they are probably the two biggest jokers in the paddock, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> Always guaranteed for a bit of a laugh. So I think probably the biggest, well, biggest shot for me, I think probably Seb just leaving Ferrari, really. Um, wasn't expecting that. I thought he'd at least give it another couple of years um, to sort of see how everything, because obviously they've been getting over, getting better over the seasons he's been with them. Um, but I thought he might have given it at least another year, but it seems like they couldn't come to an agreement and they weren't sort of following in the same direction. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how he does for the rest of the season. I don't think he's going to listen to any team orders. And obviously Leclerc is going to be the number one now. 
So I think he's going to want to really show that he means a bit of business. Yeah, I think you've pretty much hit the nail on the head with what you just said there with when you were saying that Ferrari's focus seemed to have shifted to Leclerc as the number one driver. I mean, we, we saw last year after that Monza win from Leclerc, that brilliant Monza win, Ferrari handed him, you know, a, a huge extension on his contract and Sebastian struggling to get a two-year contract from Ferrari or a multi-year deal, is it, as we were told. That just shows that Ferrari has seemingly lost its, you know, I hate to say it, but they've 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 lost the sort of hope and you know excitement about Sebastian. They they seem to have changed the focus on the young guns now. I mean, look at Carlos Sainz. He's a, he's a young twenty year old lad. I mean, tw- early twenties. Yeah. He signed with Ferrari within a matter of days of Sebastian leaving. If that doesn't, I mean, this it'll be the youngest Ferrari pairing they've ever had. Yeah, it's um, crazy. I think a couple of years ago you wouldn't have thought they have such a young driver pairing. No, no. I mean, historically, they've always had one of the eldest, you know, most experienced. And when, for instance, the 2013 season, you had Alonso and Massa. All right, Massa wasn't overly old at that point, but you had two of the very most experienced drivers, early, you know, early 2000s, Barrichello, sorry, and Schumacher, two very experienced drivers. It just seems very odd. Well, not, not odd, I suppose. I think that the waking up and spelling that the young guns, you know, aren't as inexperienced as maybe people think. I mean, modern technology nowadays, you've got the simulators, yeah. you've got all the categories that they come up to. These guys come into Formula One and they're ready. I mean, look at look at Leclerc. He spent one year at Alpha, yeah. joined Ferrari, and he smashed it within his uh, his debut season. Yeah, I mean, I think it was really with Max Verstappen, really, when he sort of came in. It was like, hang on, he's gone, you know, from Toro Rosso to Red Bull really quickly. And he's won yeah. his first race, and he's still really young. So it does well, yeah, show I mean, that even if he's young, you can still, if you've got the right environment and the right equipment, you can take it to the to the old boys, can't you? Yeah, and this is the thing that I think a lot of people forget is is Max really was the driver for all this. I mean, I think it was the 2014 season when John Eric Verne was still at Toro Rosso at um, Brazil and Japan. Max tested for Toro Rosso, and he was only 16 years old. And already he had a lot of head to, heads turning round at that young age. And I think that was pretty much like the domino effect to just shift the focus away from these elder, more experienced drivers that are demanding this, that and the other. And maybe to put a little bit of focus in, and attention into the younger generation because they are proven to have a bit of worth behind them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know whether we'll ever find out exactly what they couldn't come to agreement on but maybe it was the number one status i don't know there was necessarily um financial disagreement on them because i know seb was willing to sort of take a bit of a pay cut but it may have been literally that he just wanted the number one status and the priority and they didn't want to give it to him yeah i mean when you when you're a driver of sebastian's caliber caliber sorry um you know four four time world champion multiple race winner and you're coming against you know a driver in ferrari who's only won you know a handful of races and he's been given a multi-year deal you as a four-time world champion must be a little bit niffed yeah um, yeah exactly and you know if he's not getting what he wants from ferrari, from ferrari i mean don't get me wrong ferrari is the dream team but someone in sebastian's position you know he's got a ton of money he's got a ton of experience he's got his championships there's no harm in him either walking away or signing with another team. Now, we know that obviously seats are, you know, in short supply. I mean, granted, the 2021 driver lineups haven't been solidified, but in terms of the top teams, there isn't really many places left to go for him. Yeah, I don't know whether he will 
move to another team for next year that's not the top of the grid. I just personally, I just can't see him doing that. I think he will only ever want to join a team that's almost guaranteed, well, at least guaranteed of a top three finish. He may decide just to walk away. He's got, you know, three kids. He's got his health and he's got loads of money. So he may just decide just to quit and go and do something else. Well, this this is the other thing. Can you, could you see him taking a year out and then rejoining for the 2022 regulations that were the 21, and obviously they've been pushed back now? Can you say? Can you see him taking a gap year? Um, I just don't. I don't know. I mean, gap years have never really been that successful in Formula One, have they? When drivers no, have done but it. if you look at Esteban Ocon, all right, granted he's not to the extent of a Sebastian, but he had a year out and he's come back with Renault. That is true, actually. Yeah, I think if you you can take a year out from racing i think as as long as you're a stay a test driver or a simulator driver because then you stay up to date with the technology but you think about it if he if he takes 2021 out and there's all you know a massive regulation change for 2022 he's going to come into 2022 really rusty and you know not up to date as he should be yeah that's a very good point on the uh, subject of driver lineups then obviously a lot of this 2021 cars aren't you know, sorry, 2021 driver lineups haven't really been set in stone yet. You know, Mercedes, they've, they've got both Hamilton and Bottas out of contract at the end of the season. It seems extremely likely, if not a done deal, that Lewis will have a contract, you know. I think he will, yeah. Boxed off. But Bottas, what can you see happening with Bottas? Well, Toto, it's been rumoured that Toto Wolves told him that they're not after Seb. Um, and that he's pretty much got a seat for next year. But then... It's Formula One, isn't it? So anything can happen. Um, I think it depends on how much weight Hamilton has in terms of his negotiations, because he will probably more than likely want Bottas. Because let's face it, he's quite a good, to use Toto Wolff's thing, he's quite a good wingman, isn't he? But then would yeah. Hamilton be be afraid of, of the challenge from someone like Seb or someone, I don't know? To be honest, like even though Valtteri has been considered a bit of a wingman, I do think he's a very good fit for for Mercedes. I mean, look at last year, for example, he finished second in the championship. He's certainly no slow driver. Um, all right, granted, the, the car was was better towards the end of the season than the likes of Ferrari, but nevertheless, you know, it, it does take some some real drive to to get the, to that top tier of the table. Yeah, I hope to see that. I I honestly think for this season it'll be based on his performance. I think if he can challenge for the title, even if he doesn't win, as long as he gives Lewis a good run for his money, I think he'll stay. But I think if he is consistently getting beaten, I can see Mercedes doing a swap. Yeah, I mean, I think because this season, this is it's it's confirmed at eight races at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so I think um, I think Hamilton is exceptional when the season is. 15 20 races he's got that real staying power and he's got the, the mindset to be able to do that but Valtteri normally starts off very strong so I think because it is only eight races at the moment I can see him challenging perfectly for the championship this year I think yeah I think I agree if, if the Mercedes proves to be the the fastest car which it does look like it will be um, it's also it's, between that and the Red Bull really and from what we saw at testing anyway yeah, because I don't know whether you saw the, the news from Ferrari today, but they're going to be using their testing car, aren't they, for the first <clears throat> two rounds in Austria. And yeah. then their massively upgraded car is going to be coming in Hungary. 
What worries me with that, though, is you've got the likes of Mercedes and Red Bull bringing arguably very big upgrades to Austria. I mean, Red Bull's already bringing an engine upgrade, even though that first engine only ever ran in testing. You know, granted, granted the spec you see in Melbourne is always going to be a step ahead because the engines aren't set in stone at that point. But for them to already be a step ahead of Melbourne for Austria without that engine ever hitting the track, you know, in a race trim shows just how far behind Ferrari are if they're only running a a a, 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 a test and spec car. Yeah, and it, that's what worries me about this season. It kind of makes me wonder as well why so late in terms of announcing um i know everything's been moving very fluidly because of covid19 but why announce so late that you're taking a standard car to the first race and then your upgrade is going to be three races later just seems a bit weird yeah but i think a lot of that is down to marketing i mean you think about the impact on covid that's about a massive financial impact i mean in recent weeks we saw williams lost the title sponsor rocket i think the reason they've done that is potentially and i'm just spitballing here is to keep a cash flow of money without the risk of losing any sponsors now obviously ferrari's a massive team the risk of them losing a huge sponsor is probably minimal but you don't want to worry you know your investors and your, your your partners i suppose until the last minute in some instances yeah i mean i think this season is obviously going to be so unusual because of the yeah. restrictions and because of the number of races but if you think if you've got a poor performing car for say two races which potentially the ferrari can be and you've only got eight races that's a quarter of your race is gone already well this is it. it it makes you wonder how big of a step they can really make yeah but if you which know if suppose... you... no sorry go on i was gonna say if you you know if you end up finishing maybe seventh or eighth in the first yeah. two rounds, you know, I don't think yeah. you're ever going to catch that up. Well, this is the thing I was thinking about. I was looking um, yesterday in recent years, like just overviews of the 17, 18 and 19 championships. When the cars finished testing and head to Melbourne for the first time, the, the difference between that first race and the fifth round, which is in Spain, the cars have usually made up between a second and a half and two seconds from the point of that car first hitting the track. That's incredible. At that, ra- at that rate of development, it makes you wonder how far Ferrari are going to be behind come hungry. Because yeah. bear in mind, Red Bull, Mercedes, arguably a couple of the other teams will have upgrades. If Ferrari running that test back car for the first two races, could they run the risk of dropping into the midfield? Potentially. And I, I think it might be a massive drop, you know, just a huge loss. Like the amount, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to kind of just stick your finger in the air and see into the future and, and that sort of thing. But I just, I worry about them because... I mean, granted, we've had a shutdown and whatnot, but to be announcing that you're running a test car at this point in the year, you know, July, all right, granted, it's still the first race, but other teams are bringing upgrades, arguably two steps ahead from what they had in testing. It doesn't look good. No, it doesn't. I mean, would you, would it be, would you put some money on them finishing like behind Racing Point? Well, to be honest, this is the thing. Like the racing point actually looked like it was going to challenge towards the top three. It, like in winter testing, because me and you were both in Barcelona for that, that that second test, that racing point was looking pretty close to those top three 
to those top three manufacturers, you know, your Mercedes, your Red Bull and your Ferrari, it looks mm-hmm. certainly towards the front of the midfield. Now, if Racing Point bring upgrades to, to Austria, could they potentially be outscoring Ferrari in those first two races? Because if that's the case, that's a massive hamper on the, the Ferrari Championship. Yeah, I think so. Possibly the only kind of bit of silver lining, I think, will just be Seb, because I just don't think he's going to care about anything that he's told to do by Ferrari in terms of any team orders or anything like that. And they may just decide to just go really aggressive on their race strategy, possibly. Potentially, yeah, you're right. <clears throat> Which leads me on, I suppose, to the next point, given that we're talking about drivers and these races, is, you know, expectations for the season ahead. So, in your opinion, who do you think will be the underdog? Who do you think will be the car or the team, well, team and driver, that will be the standout performer? I think it's got to be Racing Point. Just, just driver looking. Estimate. Um, I think probably probably Perez yeah I think I just think I just think the racing point in in winter testing looked really smooth it wasn't particularly ragged or anything like it just looked like a really good car and and Perez is he's a a fantastic driver he's not a Hamilton or Verstappen or anything like that but then he's not sort of lower down either as well he's you know he tends to look after the tires really well so I think I think racing point would do really well this year what about you yeah, no, I've, I've got to agree. I think Perez will be the one to stand out. I mean, we, we've seen, you know, over the past couple of seasons where there are points to be gathered because one of the top six cars, you know, dropping out of a race, you do tend to see that racing point, and especially Perez being, you know, just snapping those points up. He's had a handful of podiums that have just been lost due to, you know, other, other drivers and other teams' mistakes. Um, that's not to say that other drivers haven't, but, you know, he, he is the one name that stands out when you think of people that snap up the opportunities. Um, yeah, he sometimes sort of like <clears throat> you're getting towards the, like the last 15 or 20 laps of a race, and like and suddenly like some people might take a pit stop or have problems or something like that, and suddenly he's in like fourth or fifth, and you think, yeah, well, I didn't hardly saw him for the whole race. Where did he come from? And he's just you know I think he's he's really really dependable, and he's he's a he's a very quick driver, and he's obviously signed for is it four years? Yeah, four something, years. I think 2024, some, I think. Something like that. So he's got a big contract. So. Talking of seasons ahead, worst performer. What do you think? In terms of team or driver? Both. Team? I'm going to say Haas or Williams. Williams just purely because of the lack of funding and how bad the car was last year. Haas because the car, last year's spec car was just all over the place. You know, it was really good in Austria. I mean, you look at look at Magnussen's lap. I think he qualified P5. Yeah. And it was a mega lap. But you had other instances like Canada where the two cars are starting at the back of the grid. Yeah, and I think they 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 struggle with the tyres, didn't they? And just in terms of the consistency, one race they couldn't get any heat into them, another race they were like destroyed after like six or seven laps. Yeah. Uh, driver, West Coming of- driver. Uh, it's a hard one for me because I can see the midfield tightening up, but I think it's either going to be Grosjean or Latifi. Ah, oh, I thought you were going to pinch my one. <laughs> Who's your one? Well, I think probably the worst performing team, I think, unfortunately, is probably going to be Williams just because of the the lack of funding. Uh, but I think in terms of worst performer driver, it's probably going to be Stroll. 
I'm not conventional because think about it with Stroll. He's in the racing point. It's going to be a top of the midfield car, so we're led to believe. I know. Will but he, he as a driver be, you know, worst performer? I don't know. He just, whenever I see him interviewed, he just comes across as just not really caring. Um, I may be wrong, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm going with that. But okay, yeah, I, fair enough. Your predictions for, let's go, actually, let's think about this. Top three for qualifying and top three for race this coming weekend in Austria. I am going to go um, Verstappen, Hamilton, Alba. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Verstappen, Hamilton, album. I think that Red Bull, I actually really like the look of that Red Bull. It looks fast. Mercedes is arguably going to be fast. Um, I, I don't know. I, this year, I've just got a feeling that Red Bull are going to pull something out of the bag, and I think they're going to snap the championship. Don't know why. Is that, the, the is, that, is, that is... is that race or qualifying? Oh, sorry. Okay, so yeah, that's that's qualifying. I'm going okay. with um, race result. Um. I don't know. It's it's hard because we've never seen these cars run. All right, I'll I'll go. You know what? I'll do Albon for P1 just because he's never run a, won a race, and I'd like to see him win. Interesting choice. Then I'll say Max. Then I'll say Lewis. Mm. I'd like to see a Red Bull one-two at the Red Bull ring. I know that's a bit. It's probably going to be unlikely. I, I... But. I'm convinced that that car is going to be superb this yeah. coming weekend. Not necessarily maybe at all the circuits for the rest of the year, but I really think the I really think the Red Bull is going to be really good this weekend. What what always like strikes me is the end towards the end of the season that Red Bull car gets phenomenal. The past two seasons it hasn't started the year you know the greatest car, but towards the end it has stood out massively. Yeah. I just wish, I just hope for their own benefit that they can start the year on level par or ahead of the top team so they can take that championship fight right to the end. It annoys me that we're seeing championships being tied up, you know, multiple races before the end of the season. I want to see, you know, a 2012, 2011, 2010 instance where they're going to like the last two races of the season. That'd be fantastic. Really well, it's, It's not right that the seasons get tied up so early. No, I mean, I think if Red Bull can, it's not a weakness, but if Red Bull can improve their straight line speed, because the car is always normally phenomenal in the corners, um, if, if they can improve their straight line speed, for obviously for somewhere like Monza or something like that, then I think they've got a really good chance of the championship. I mean, I think probably my predictions for this weekend, qualifying, I'm going to say for Stappen on pole, and I'm going to go Hamilton second, Bottas third. Okay. Uh, for the race, I'm going to go... I just think Verstappen's going to win it. So Verstappen P1, Hamilton P2, and Leclerc P3. I know he said the Ferrari might not be good, particularly good, but I think he's just going to give it his all. Actually, can I change mine? No, you can't You can't change mine. <laughs> it's, it's too late. You only get one chance. I want to put the racing point as, as P3. Go on, as it's the first race of the season, I'll let you go, mate. And it's the so, sec- second or second podcast. Qualifying. Verstappen 1, Hamilton 2, Perez 3. Race. I'm going to say Albon 
Verstappen Hamilton. Interesting. You heard it here first. I think what we have to do is because the race is only going to be because the only season's only going to be eight races. Then maybe we're um we put some money on the uh, on the last round or something. Yeah. Get some good. get some cash flowing. Anyway, that brings us to the end of episode two. Uh, thanks a lot for listening. Hit us up on Twitter, so it's Racecast UK on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And we'll see you next week. Thank you very much.